So hi there, and welcome to JCMS Editor's Choice Podcast, the series where we dive into subjects that impact not just dermatology, but the wider world as well, through the lens of dermatologists. And today, we're going to explore the world where we're in right now, podcasting. We're going to explore that with CDA's podcast producer, David McGuffin, who, as you'll hear soon, got involved in this through his work as an international journalist, as his work as a war correspondent. So you'll enjoy every second of this, I guarantee it. I'm your host, Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and I'm a Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary. This interview was recorded at the CDA Annual Conference in Toronto, and it's our first venture into live podcasting, so we were able to introduce our community to David. We had a great crowd, thanks to all of you who were there, and we start off things with a, a highlight reel of recent JCMS podcast interviews. So take it away. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Catherine Sibold about alopecia areata. That year really gave me insights into the fact that there's this ever-expanding evidence about JAK inhibitors and their usefulness. Dr. Jennifer Beaker. I think if you can take a few things from this, it's think about draping with everybody, especially younger females. Today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Michelle Ramin. That's the thing that has been reinforced again and again with these patients is that they have this typical morphology of very, very severe mucositis. Davis, tell us about the gypsy moth. Tell us what we should know about. The thing that's most amazing is that the caterpillars fly. I, I, I can't get my head around that. So Carrie, thanks for joining us. You're an educator. COVID-19 must have been a big deal for you guys. Well, thanks, Kirk, and, and, and thanks for having me as a guest. It's kind of interesting to be on this side of the podcast table. So, you know, I, I appreciate you having me as a guest. So good afternoon. This is the last lecture of the day, the JCMS lecture. Now, the JCMS lecture was put in place for this meeting to recognize someone um, each year. It's an annual lectureship to honor someone that has produced something significant to JCMS and moved us another notch forward in our, in our path to excellence. And this year we're recognizing uh, David McGuffin. David is our podcast producer and he's developed our podcast. He's a podcast producer for both the JCMS author interviews and for uh, Dermalogs. David is an explorer, international journalist, and a war correspondent. I've asked him to share some of his uh, career highlights and, and, and to entertain us. And the other thing is, I want to find out what brought David to podcasting and what podcasting is uh, all about. So welcome, David. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, it's, it feels a little odd to be on this side of the mic, Kirk, <laughs> I have to say. But it's a, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to see all of you in person. I know many of you are our audience when we're putting this podcast out. So it's wonderful to see your faces. Here, um, yeah, so I started, uh, my journey um, began in, in traditional broadcast journalism. I was mostly in public broadcasting, CBC, uh, National Public Radio in the States, PBS as well. Um, my dream as a young journalist was always to get overseas, um, and I was lucky enough to do that for about a dozen plus years as a foreign correspondent. And really the most exciting part of that was post 9-11. I was in a number of conflict zones after 9-11 after, um, happened sort of the biggest one being Afghanistan. I was uh, lucky enough to be embedded with our Canadian troops 
in Kandahar. Um, it was the, with the Princess Patricias, amongst others. Um, and it was a real eye-opening and slightly terrifying experience. But uh, <laughs> you, you seem to enjoy the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> That's me uh, on patrol in Kandahar, that, yeah, on, the, on the left there. Yeah, that was my first foray into the world of roadside bombs. And uh, I developed a real appreciation for our troops there, because I would go out in these patrols in armored vehicles like once a week sort of thing. Uh, and every time you went over a culvert or a bridge, you're kind of like, is this the one? Is th and it, I was lucky enough that it never was. But these guys were doing that every single day. And, uh, and we obviously lost a lot of lives in those kinds of vehicles as well. And, and I, there was a Calgary journalist yeah, no, that exactly. lost her life yeah. in an IED. Former patient so, of yours, um, I think. Yeah. Good on you. That's a quite an adventure. So yeah. is that an I in, in that vehicle, is that a... What, what vehicle is that? That's that, an airborne, or is that... That's a, no, that's actually an armored vehicle, a Canadian armored vehicle. And so. how many men would they put in that? Uh, I think there was like five or six of us in that one, yeah. Okay. So we're just patrolling around Kandahar province into the valley. Yeah. Did they let you shoot a gun? No. <laughs> they kept me so away that's from not the... you in the middle. <laughs> and that was better for everybody, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and they, so you're the peacekeeper in the upper right-hand corner then, aren't you? Yeah, so that's in Mali, uh, just as Al-Qaeda was sort of taking form in Mali. I was out in, up just north of Timbuktu in that picture on the, on the right there. Most of the 2000s, I was the Africa correspondent for the CBC, so based in Nairobi and traveling all over. And again, that was a lot of conflict zones. So Somalia was a place I was into uh, regularly. This was actually, I was embedded with the Canadian Navy running food aid into Mogadishu on this particular photo here. But I was in Congo. I was in, see, we got Darfur. Uh, I was embedded with the Canadian peacekeepers in Darfur. I was in there a couple times, really, when that genocide was just taking form. I, was, I wound up being detained multiple times by the secret police there, held, accused of being an American spy, yeah, and eventually wow. got sprung by the African Union peacekeepers. The, the Rwandan general who was leading that African Union peacekeeping mission had been in Rwanda during the genocide with uh, Romeo Dallaire. He'd been a liaison with Canadian General Romeo Dallaire and had a soft spot for Canadians, so sprung me, took care of me for the rest of my time in Darfur that wow. time. But, uh, uh, so yeah. What did you prefer, the sand or the water? My godfather is in the Canadian Navy, so I have a real fondness for the Navy, um, but uh, I, I do like deserts. I, I, I can't do um, humid heat, that's what I can't do. Jungles are not good for me, deserts are much better for me, is a thing I've discovered. You live in Ottawa. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. What, and I moved back there, too, it was a choice. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but I got to do all sorts of fascinating things. This is a conservation story I did for CBC. These guys are protecting lions up around Mount Kilimanjaro and interviewed a lot of interesting people. This is the new so president of South so Sudan. Back up to the lion protectors yeah, for a second. Yeah. So what do they do? They, uh, they, they collar lions and track them so they can warn uh, cattle herders that the lions are in an area so the cattle herders aren't killing the lions, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great story. It's a lovely bunch of guys. So yeah, so these guys have sort of would have been wa Maasai warriors but have turned their sort of warriordom into saving lions in, in Africa. So, it was, so uh, how do the farmers get warned? Uh, well, they, they walk around with a radio tracker and they'll just sit, they'll actually physically go tell farmers there's a lion in this area, keep them in the corral, yeah, for the next day or so, we'll let you know when it leaves, that's kind of thing. So, yeah, it was uh, good fun. Um, yeah, and then interviewed a lot of you know, fascinating people, uh, and interviewed 
don't have a photo of it, but you know, Desmond Tutu. I spent a, a week with Nelson Mandela on his last tour as president of South Africa. So lots of fun times. A lot of time too, though, I have to say, not trying not to get shot in conflict zones. And as, that, as the decade progressed, I had two young kids and a lovely wife. And there reaches a point where I was like, Okay, maybe there's, uh, this is a job for a younger person with less of a sense of mortality than I seem to have developed. <laughs> so, uh, so towards the end, around 2010, I, uh, I, I bailed. We moved uh, to Washington, D.C. I joined National Public Radio, NPR, which is where the podcasting sort of side of this But isn't, this, isn't the uh, mortality rate in Washington higher than in the war zones? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was getting better by 2010, I have to say. I lived there in the 90s, and it was really bad, yeah. yeah. It was really bad, but by 2010, things had calmed down in Washington. It was safe to, to go back to Washington, so um, yeah, no, it was good. It was good, so I was, it was, I was lucky to land at NPR at that point because, um, so, I mean, just to go back to podcasts, they really got their start around 2001-ish, and it, it ties in with the iPod. This is where the name comes, pod, iPod, podcasting, broadcasting. So the, the very first podcasts were around 2001, 2002, but it really doesn't take off until about 2008 when the iPhone shows up, right? And now everyone has this thing in their pocket, right? It's got, it covers all your needs and it's in your pocket. At the center of that is, an iP is a podcast app, you know? So people are discovering, oh, wow, there's these things I can listen to that I can choose when I listen to. I can stop and start them as I want. I can search for all the fascinating things I want to hear. And that's, uh, and at that point, NPR was very quickly cottoned on to the fact that what they did on radio was very similar to what's going on in podcasting. They have all that skill set, and this is, a, this is an up-and-coming medium. Uh, so they were very wise, and so their very first podcast um, was one called Planet Money, which some of you may have heard of. It's a business show, basically. But... Uh, Podcast being a new medium, it, it was, it's a much more fun and kind of glib take on business than your sort of more staid CNBC kind of thing or traditional business. So that did very well. And from there, they're like, okay, well, we're going all in on this. Um, so the, there's shows like uh, How I Built This with Guy Raz. I don't know if some of you may have heard of that, but interviewing CEOs about how they got their start and their failures and their restarts and all that kind of stuff. That has done very well. Uh, Hidden Brain is a social studies one. Um, Invisibilia. Serial was in all that mix about 2013, which is sort of the first true crime one, and that really is when podcasts took off, and NPR was right in the middle of that. So at that point, I'm, I'm still in traditional radio. I'm helping run their morning show, Morning Edition, which National Morning Show does very well. But um, in 2015, uh, the New York Times started a podcast, a morning podcast that would go out at like 6 in the morning called The Daily, which I'm sure many of you have heard of, and it's like a daily news podcast, basically. Um, and my executive producer at the time said, the New York Times has effectively just parked a tank on our front lawn. So, <laughs> so she's like, we're not sitting back and taking this. So we started our own podcast, uh, a morning daily news podcast called Up First. Um, so it's basically, it was a quick hit, 10, 15 minute podcast. These are the three stories you need to know as you start your day. And we talk to the reporters who are going to be reporting that story out for us for the day. So it's, a, you know, this is jumpstarting your day news wise. Um, and it, it's done very well. It's still one of the top one, two daily news podcasts in the world. And it is, um, you know, still in the top probably 20 most listened to in America. So, so, so you rate podcasts 
by the listeners, the number of listeners. How do you, how do you, how do you, how yeah, do people rate podcasts? By, yeah, by listens, basically downloads and listens. So how many people are? Yeah, and, and the metrics are, you know, they're, you get them as they happen, right? It's not having to. It's not like the old Nielsen ratings or anything like that. You're actually that stuff comes in real time, basically. So they're getting, so they get hundreds of thousands of listens um, like a week, you know, like massive. So, so we have a ways to go. Yeah, we, well, we'll get to that, but yeah, no, we're doing really well because we're, we're a different beast than that. But yeah, we're, we do really well. Yeah, so, we, so from that, I basically uh, spent a couple of years covering the Trump White House and, and rediscovered my love of Canada in the process. <laughs> Another war zone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so for a variety of reasons, including family, I moved back to Ottawa in 2018 um, and reported for NPR up here for a couple of years after that. But at the same time, sort of looked around and we were a few years behind in podcasting up here, just in the development rate and everything else. Um, and there was a real sort of interest in getting into podcasts and a real sort of need for people who knew how to do that. And I sort of had that skill set, so I set up my own production company uh, in 2019, and the CDA was my second, yeah, okay. second, so second client. So tell us about your space travels. Oh, space travels. Yeah, so I do a podcast. My very first podcast back here is with Canadian Geographic called Explore, um, and I talk to Canadian explorers mostly. Astronauts are one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, so I've talked to Roberta Bondar and Commander Chris Hadfield. I, talked to a lot of Arctic explorers. I've talked to guys who ran across the Sahara Desert, literally ran a marathon a day across the Sahara Desert. Um, you know, just interesting. A woman who does the longest cave dives underwater in the world. And it's like fascinating. <laughs> so our guests stuff. are going to have to get more Terrifying entertaining. Stuff. yeah. Hmm? What's that? Our guests are going to have to get more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Running across the Sahara Desert? Yeah, well, that, well, that gets us to CDA. Um, CDA, we've got two, three amazing podcasts, right? JCMS does author interviews, and we do Editor's Choice, and we have Dermalogs as well with Carrie Purdy, um, which we've been recording some of those with maybe some of you in this room here, here at the CDA. So we're, we're talking about sort of those big 100,000, those million download podcasts. You know, we get smaller numbers than that, obviously, but we're clearly hitting our audience, right? So, you know, there are, there are a limited number of, limited number of dermatology experts or, or professionals in Canada, um, and we're getting, I think, most of those. And we know we're getting dermatology professionals because all of our podcasts get a 90% impactful listen or play rate, which means everyone's listening to almost everything. And this is not a podcast for laymen, right? You're not tuning into this and how, trying to figure out how to clear up your acne, it's much deeper than that, obviously, right? So we know we're getting dermatology professionals and we know we're getting them in Canada because we chart very high in Canada on Apple Podcasts. And so we're a niche podcast and that's a successful niche podcast. It's not getting a broad audience, but it's nailing the audience it wants to get and we're doing it very <laughs> successfully. I'm very happy with where we're sitting right now in terms of podcasting, I think we're... So we're, po is, is podcasting a life, is it a... Is it a fleeting thing? I mean, what happens with the chatbots and into the future, artificial intelligence? Are they, are they going to be made up? Um, yeah, I mean, what's, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to know about AI, and I think the jury's out on, on podcasting with that as much as anything. I mean, I think the strength of podcasting is the human aspect of it, and AI, I, mean, I don't think, can replicate that. You know, I mean, I think the conversations you and Carrie are so really great at you're both incredible listeners and you've got they're very human conversations that really connect with people and connect with the audience and you're I mean so I, I, I have a hard time seeing how chat GPT or AI matches that I'm honestly so podcasting though I think 
I mean, it's fair to say is as big a shift in media as, say, radio was in the 20s or TV in the 40s and 50s. It's, it's a big shift, and it's, it's here to stay. I mean, there is a total of 5 million podcasts out there now. Um, there's 20,000 new podcasts being published every week, like brand new. So, I mean, we've got, uh, I think this year we're hitting half billion listens worldwide, which is massive. That's double the number that we had in 2019, so the trajectory just is going... Wow up and up and up and up and up. So in Canada, that number is, um, we're up to about 12 million Canadians listen to podcasts on a regular basis. If you go into the sort of 18 to 49 demographic, half, that's half of the audience is of podcast listeners is in that age group. So that's the age group that's gonna grow with it too. Has know? anybody looked at doctors? We can't break that down with our, with our numbers, but yeah. uh, again, we know with our, with our impact rate, with the fact that people are listening right through these, that we are definitely getting you know, doctors, nurses, professionals in the, in the dermatology area listening to this. If you go into the category, like our, we're in the medicine category within Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and if you look at sort of what the big categories are in the charts, the big ones, the celebrity ones, so, you know, Meghan Markle now has a podcast, for instance, or, you know, that kind of thing. Joe Rogan interviewing Elon Musk, that kind of thing. And that's, and they're getting, like, the big, big numbers. Uh, and then politics is sort of the next tier down. And then sports, in Canada specifically, it's hockey, right? That's a big one. And then sort of the tier below that is you're into the more specified, specific um, categories. Like, and medicine's a big player in that. And we do well in that. We charted in 70 different countries last year, you know, and the, the best ones being Canada, UK, US, but we're charting around the world. Like people are listening right around the world, Asia, yeah. Europe, Africa, Latin America. Brazil's a big one for us. Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know your job coming up, eh? What's that? Well, you reach out Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> we got Elon Musk. And okay. Meghan Markle. You're Meghan Markle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, the future is bright. Yeah. You, what would be the next iteration on podcasts? I mean, I, I listened um, to somebody talk about TikTok, and uh, I mentioned it uh, yesterday in my talk. I mean, they're taking movies and breaking it down into two-minute yeah. things, and so you can watch a whole movie in two-minute segments. Yeah, yeah, and then that's and that's more social media driven. But yeah. uh, well, but is the iPod rather is the podcast going to get smaller, shorter, and shorter, and shorter, and shorter? So I don't. I mean, I think that'll be an element to it for sure, and I think there's an audience for that. But I think there's also. I mean, clearly we're producing podcasts that run out sometimes 60 minutes or more, and we're getting listens with that, and that's true right across the board. Even even sort of those more celebrity ones. Those are long podcasts, and people are listening to those. I think there's a what podcasts have shown is that there's a real interest still out there for long-form conversation, good conversation. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we're producing here. So I don't think that's going to go away, you know? I, I think it's fascinating you have a guy like Conan O'Brien, right, who is late-night talk show host, voluntarily left late-night talk show hosting, left television, started his own podcast, which is now one of the, the highest-rated in the world, right? But I mean, he saw the, the future was him doing these long-form 60-minute conversations with you know, their celebrities and movie stars and stuff like that. But it's, that's, the people know. can listen to. Yeah, they don't have to watch. They yeah, don't be I mean, in front so of a television. You take it with you. You can do other things while yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. There is a shift now to watching, and younger people do tend to watch more. But, I mean, 
there's still the vast majority of, of what happens in podcasting is audio still. So Because the beauty of it is, and I'm sure people in this room know that, is you can listen as you drive to work. You can listen as I do it when I'm doing yard work or when I'm running or, you know, you can, there's a lot of, you can be doing other things. But so the minute you have to sit down in front of a screen, you know, you're stopping everything, basically, right? That's, uh, so it's, 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 and you're also competing with Netflix or, you know, other, other things that have a lot more production dollars than we do, for instance, at the CDA. Yeah. Well, David, thank you very much yeah. for joining us. Is there anything else that you no, want I, to talk I, to us about? I, I, it's uh, the beauty of podcasting for me, and I sort of, I mean, I'm not punk rock, but I grew up in the punk rock era, and there's something kind of punk rock about podcasting. The idea of punk rock was to pick up the guitar and play, right? And there's an element of podcasting where you can do this on your own at home. You don't need much. You need a laptop, headphones, a decent mic if you can afford it. You well, obviously, know? a 20,000 new podcast launched every week. Yeah, there's a exactly. lot of home podcasts. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the basement. A lot of those aren't good, you know? Yeah. And what we focus on in our podcast is that they sound good. Yeah. Like, they sound professional, we give it that NPR quality, but it, anyone can access it, and you can build your audience. You can get better as you podcast, and you know, you'll get better, and the audience will grow with you. And So it, there's, there's a beautiful accessibility to all of it that I think works really well. Well, I hope you haven't stimulated too many new podcasters. Yeah. Oh, all right, well, David, thanks very much. Yeah. And as I end all my podcasts, um, thank you very much for being with us, and uh, be good to each other. Well, that's it for this special live JCMS Editor's Choice podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. If you did, give us a rating, review where you listen. It helps more people to find our interviews. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're looking for more great CDA podcasts, be sure to check out Dermalogs, our resident podcast hosted by my colleague, Dr. Kerry Purdy. So, as always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Kirk Barber, and until next time, be good to each other. <laughs>